I listen to American Timelines. American Timelines by History for Jerks. American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. History for Jerks. History, history for Jerks. Samantha, that's a hickey. Welcome to the 100th episode of American Timelines. I'm Amy. It's a milestone, y'all, and my name is MTV VJ JJ Jackson. I'm also Hervé Villachez. I'm also Uncle Ankle. I'm also fucking the nipple dick. I've also had two hop slams, and I'm about to drink my third. I'm also obsessed with Willem Dafoe. Yes, you are. You are definitely obsessed with Willem Dafoe. And I am here to tell you Mm -hmm. that this is the greatest podcast of all time. We have made it to 100 episodes, y'all. Most of you thought we wouldn't make it past episode three. That's true. Well, you're wrong. Yes, 100 episodes. I can't believe it. And this this little message for our enemies, up yours and in your face. 100 episodes, y'all. 100. Boom. 100 times we've done this. Hundred hours, hundred and more than a hundred, more than a hundred hours, more than a hundred hours of us sitting here talking, talking about ridiculous. That's right. Things, <laughs> you know, it is talking about ridiculous things. Yeah, that's white privilege for you. What? That's your white privilege. We Wait can a sit here for hundred <laughs> episodes and just not did, have to. What are you going to turn you know, it on? Some people sleeping under a bridge, and you're just sitting here talking in your microphone. What are you turning it on me this for? This is 2020. This is what Americans do now. Everyone, pretty soon, they, there's a stat I read. Yeah. By 2025, mm-hmm. more Americans will have a podcast than then we'll don't. Ha- then we'll have <laughs> then we'll have plumbing. Oh yeah. Yes. All right. It'll be like you know how everybody's on Facebook now. Mm-hmm. Everyone will have their own podcast. That'll be like, oh, what's going on with you? Just listen to my podcast. Sorry, oh, that's probably tell. true. How are you doing? What are you, what are you up to lately? Just listen to my podcast. See you later. You'll find out if you yeah. listen to my podcast. You have to just listen to my podcast. That's how I update my stuff. There won't be a Facebook. There won't be any. It'll you just, just be have your, to, everyone's podcast. You have to listen to their podcast. Yeah, it's so kind you, of a pain you, in the ass. You just, yeah, it, it will be. It'll be a lot easier. You know, right now it's a lot of work to get a podcast out there and put up. And, you know, then it'll just be it'll just be on everybody's phone. We'll just make podcasts probably. Boom, I got it figured out. Podcast of the future. Yeah, but I don't want to hear a podcast about everybody I know. Well, do you also want to see everyone's baby pictures oh, and see touche. their grandmother's birthday touche. and what everybody ate every fucking second of the day? Yeah, you're And that everybody's at the goddamn Garth Brooks concert tonight? But that you can scroll right past. A yeah. podcast you'd have to sit and listen to. Yep, you can put it on 25X. Is that super fast? Speed? Yeah, like two X. You put? Sometimes. Do you do that with your podcast sometimes? I listen to them on twenty five X. Oh my god, you're crazy! It really makes me nervous, but I get all the info. Makes you nervous? Yeah, because I talk really fast. Like this, there's even a thing where you can. It makes you nervous you when can, people talk that fast. Well, yeah, well, and you can also set it where it takes out all the pauses. Yeah. 
So it's just constant, just constant talking, and then like one of the next sentences, there's always run on sentence, and there's no breaks on it. Why would you do that? I don't know. It makes me really uneasy. Makes you that nervous, huh? Yeah. So I usually listen to it on half speed. Now, when you first met me, I talked real fast. Everybody talks really slow. Right. Like I, I like to have Rachel Maddow talk to me on half speed and put me to sleep at night. But when you first met me, I talked fat, real fast. Yeah, just when you were around Ryan. Oh. Ryan Burkett from the Music Video Podcast. Shout out. Shout out. Anyway, let's get right into our thing. We have some, we're trying to get some of our old guests. Yes. To come back. But we're going to have them call in at different times. You know, we record on a Saturday night, so people are out busy. So hopefully mm-hmm. they're getting drunk and they will call after they've had a few. Um, but we'll we'll have them on as they call in. Okay. Splice it in throughout whatever. All right. Sounds good. But in the meantime, we'll just go with the flow and do our thing. All right. So we are discussing 1967. Yes. We started 1967 in episode 99. And we only got through January. So we left off the beginning of February. Right. That's correct. Right. And I'm going to start off with something that I'm not sure exactly what time in February it happened. Okay. But sometime in February, Munich resident, this didn't happen in America, but I'm going to start off sometime in February in Munich, Germany. Okay. Sounds good. This is from weirduniverse.net. Munich resident Helmut G. Winter was sick and tired of the noise of military aircraft flying low over his house. So he built a catapult and started launching... Bavarian potato dumplings at the planes. Okay. That's one way to do it. In one week, he launched 120 dumplings. He never managed to score a direct hit, but eventually, both the West German Luftwaffe, Luftwaffe, both the West German pilots and American pilots conceded defeat and agreed to a flight path that avoided his house. Reportedly, he gave the Americans a model of his dumpling cannon as a gesture of thanks, inscribed as a souvenir and warning, Helmut G. Winter, the Bavarian dumpling shot. There's not a... There's not like that. This is the best part of the podcast. Yeah. The best part of the podcast. There we go. I don't know how I did that. There's <laughs> Jeez. 100 episodes, and I can't figure out how my microphone works. And there's 10 minutes of that. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. I am leaving it in. Thursday, February 2nd, 1967, at a press conference in New York, California lawyer <laughs> Gary Davidson announced the formation of the 10-team American Basketball Association, set to be a competitor to the 10-team National Basketball Association. What? So there's the NBA that only had 10 teams. Yeah. The ABA became a thing. Former NBA star George Micken was introduced as the first ABA commissioner. The 10 French franchises identified were Indianapolis, Minneapolis, New Orleans, New York, and Pittsburgh in an Eastern Division, and Anaheim, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, and Oakland in a Western Division. Before the season opened, an 11th team would be added in Louisville, and the Kansas City franchise would be shifted to Denver. Okay. You don't care? Nope. Basketball got 10 more teams. 
That's then, all you needed to say. And really. then Sunday, February 5th, 1967, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour made its debut on mm-hmm. the CBS television network. Hosted by 30-year-old Tom Smothers yes. and his 27-year-old brother Dick Smothers, the comedy variety show was a rating success with the 15- to 24-year-old demographic and would be renewed for a second season. So the youngsters liked it. The youngsters. It was for the kids. I didn't know that. Yep. The Smothers Brothers was for the kids. They were just 27 and 30. And guess what? They're getting ready to go on tour again, again this year. Yeah, I bet. And they are 83 mm-hmm. and 80. Wow. Now, and they're still going to go on tour. That's funny. And I just I sh- always thought of them as like an old person, old people would like. But that's maybe because when, by the time was I was around, yes, this is those young people were old now. Yeah, and most of their audience is now dead. And then did you know that in 1967, mm-hmm. religious practices uh, were officially banned in Albania from 1967 to 91? I did not know that. This made Albania the first and only constitutionally atheist state to ever exist. Huh. Did you know that? I didn't know that was, that was a, like, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that. Because you think, like, oh, well, our country doesn't, but then you're like, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a totally religious state. Mm -hmm. This one is banned, like, religion was banned. Oh, like, completely banned. So nobody could. No, they, like, got rid of churches, got destroyed them all, like, had them turned into warehouses and everything. It's a little background on it. In 1946, King Zog... My I had God. to bring him just the King Zog was officially deposed, and Albania was proclaimed the People's Republic of Albania, and the and the first secretary Enver Hoxha became de facto head of state as the most powerful man in the country, and he was the leader of the Communist Party before that. So were they communist? So they became like communist. Communists took over, and uh, Albania was the only predominantly Muslim country in Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of Turkish influence in the region, uh, but it had not, like the Ottoman Empire, identified religion with ethnicity. But in the Ottoman Empire, Muslims were viewed as Turks, Orthodox Christians were Greeks, and Catholics were Latins. Mm-hmm. Haksa believed that was a serious issue, feeling that it, it would fuel Greek separatists in southern Albania, and that also divided the nation with all these different religions. Uh, so... Back then, in the 40s, the agrarian reform law confiscated much of the church's property in the country. And I got some of this info from BalkanInsight.com, my favorite website. Mm-hmm. Uh, the war against the clergy began after the communists came to power in Albania in 45. In December of 45, dozens of Catholic clerics and believers were arrested, 39 of whom were convicted at military-led trials with harsh penalties imposed. Uh, believers were executed. Jeez. The campaign against religion intensified after Hoxha gave a speech here on February 6, 1967, which officially launched the battle against religious ideology. Hoxha's speech was followed by a letter from the Central Committee of the Parlor of Labor intended to guide the assault on religion across the country. Religion is the opium of the people. We must do our best to make everybody understand this, even those, those who have been poisoned. We must cure them. This is neither an easy job nor impossible. Jeez. Yeah, so... Um, That's terrible. 
Yeah, 2,169 religious institutions were closed, including 740 mosques, 608 Orthodox churches, 157 Catholic churches, and 530 turb, turbe, turbe, turb, turbas, Ottoman, uh, Ottoman mausoleums. Okay, yeah. Uh, and cultural and historical heritage was destroyed along with them. That's awful. It's, so it was a big violent mm. uh, campaign to elig- eliminate religion. and Didn't work, yeah. I bet. Um, because people... It lasted until the 90s. Wow. That's 91. a long time. 1991, yeah. Um, because people need religion. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but... Right. You don't want to force it away from of course those who not. Need like it it's kind of human it. nature yeah. to want to believe you have in to those have some things. Spiritual something. Yes, exactly. It you you have to have something, and so it's just like the opposite of what you know. A lot of people say, "Oh, religion is the cause of so many wars, and religion can be so bad, and religion is." And so, the people that are against it, are like I don't, yeah, we don't want to get rid of. Nobody wants to get rid of religion. Yeah. It'd, it'd be good to get out of the state laws and stuff like yeah. that. But let everybody believe what they want, and that's why America is great because that's yeah. know, a place where you can do that. But America's great again. Uh, Trump's here. But anyway. Oh, my God. No, but yeah, like, so this is taken to the opposite extreme, like not letting anybody yes. be religious and then, like, putting people in jail for it. And so I read an article of some lady who in the 90s was able to worship openly again and she, you know, she always did, but yeah, in the just secret. hid it. Just in yeah. Secret, people did it and hid, and they never wanted anybody to find out because they'd get in big trouble. Well, it sounds like they were executing people. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's... Yeah, putting them in jail and all kinds of stuff. It's Holy crazy. crap. Albania, yep. huh? Albania. I didn't know all that happened. You ever been to Albania? No. Can't say I have. Monday, February 6th, that same day... WBC world heavyweight boxing champion Muhammad Ali defeated the WBA's heavyweight champ Ernie Terrell at the Houston Astrodome. Sweet. In the publicity leading up to the unification bout, Terrell had repeatedly used Ali's uh, Ali's former name, Cassius Clay. Mm-hmm. Starting in the eighth round, Ali repeatedly shouted at Terrell, What's my name? What's my name? As he threw punches. The bout went the full 15 rounds, and Ali won in a unanimous decision. American newspapers remain divided about which name to use and sometimes compromise by using both in headlines. Mm-hmm. Ali would be stripped of both titles on April 28th for refusing induction into the U.S. Army. Yep. February, and that brings us to February 9th, 1967. I understand that you, you know, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> that's my new, it's your new 100th episode, Luis. Oh, I don't know about it. Okay. What's that dog? Droopy. Droopy dog. Okay. I am going to discuss the Kenosha, Wisconsin murder alley. Oh, what? A murder alley? It's an alley of murders? An alley of murders, yes. And this is going to be, this is kind of pieced together. I had to do my own research this time. Oh, no. God forbid. You have to get off your ass and do your own research. And so this is all just like pieced together from like web sleuths and yeah, that's what researching is, right? Yep, yep, yep. So so as long as you cite your sources, we should be good, right? Yeah. Word. Well, it's just from web sleuths. It's from like people in a forum. Oh, web sleuths isn't a website. 
It's a forum. It's a forum? Yep. Okay. All right. So Kenosha, Wisconsin's Murder Alley is an unpaved strip of land running south from 64th Street between 20th and 21st Avenues. Okay. Two blocks away, the downtown business districts bustle with activity. But residents along the alley live with daily apprehension that's more akin to an excursion through the twilight zone. There's something strange out by that alley, Coroner Tom Duff told the press February 1981. Tom Duff, y'all. Sort of a Bermuda Triangle of murder, I'd say. What seems to be going on is unexplainable. Lieutenant Rudy Blotz, the Kenosha Police Department, was equally direct. Rudy Blotz. And he said it was a jinx or something in the alley. Uh Uh-oh. So the happenings include a string of seven grisly homicides between 1967 and 1981. Whoa, that's a long time for homicides to be happening in the same alley. Right. And I'm going to focus mostly on the first one of those because that's what happened in in 1967. All right. That sounds good to me. And I'll just touch briefly on the other other ones. Uh, Three of the cases have been solved, unrelated to one another, but... The grim geographical coincidence has authorities wondering if there's just some kind of... Something in the air? Yeah. Murder in the air? So the first alley murder occurred around February 9th, 1967. Oh, you mean the same day that Love on roof, Love on a Rooftop was on TV? Oh, set God. in San Francisco about an art student uh, played by Judy Carn and an architect played by Pete Duell who meet, fall in love, marry, and move into a rooftop apartment with no windows. Their neighbor, Rich Little, composed menus for a living. Rich Little was the neighbor? He was a neighbor, a neighbor composing menus. Oh, my Lord. When that was on? Yes. Uh, this was 17-year-old Mary Caldenberg left her home on 64th Street to, okay. to purchase a bottle of soda from the corner drugstore. That's very innocent. She was in a hurry to return because she had a date that night. Uh-oh, getting that soda, get all hopped up for the sex date. Um, the girl's body, well, when they found it, was clad oh. in slacks, a sweater, and a ski jacket. Oh, she and, died in slacks? Yes, it was, it was discovered on Monday afternoon, February the 13th. Oh, Monday, February 13th? Yes. The same day? Oh, wait a minute. Also on February 9th. <laughs> oh, this one's great. I can't skip this. Okay. Also the same day that cellist and performing performance artist Charlotte Mormon was arrested by New York police at the filmmaker's Cinematheque, where she was playing Brahms' lullaby as part of Nam June Pike's production, the opera Sextronic, Mormon receives a suspended sentence for indecent exposure because she played the cello in public topless. Oh, my Lord. And if you look her up. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Mormon, M-O-O-R-M-A-N, a cellist. Mm-hmm. There's tons and tons of pictures of her from the 60s doing all kinds of crazy shit while she's playing a cello. Oh, like, really? N- a lot of times naked. Oh, my God. A lot of God. times there'll be, like, naked guys that she's playing it on, like their chest and stuff. Like, oh, my God. Covered in saran wrap. Yeah. Uh, like, all kinds of crazy shit. You got to look those up. Um, but also, uh, so they found her on February 13th. Mm-hmm. The same day that the body of a 24-year-old Mexican man was found on the playground of the 97th Street School in Los Angeles after falling 5,000 feet from an airliner that had lowered its landing gear during an approach to the L.A. International Airport from Mexico City. 
Whoa. School was not in session because of the holiday for Lincoln's birthday, so it was unclear when the accident happened. Humberto oh, Garcia. God. Yeah, Humberto Garcia Gutierrez had been living in poverty in Las Granjas, a slum within the city of Chihuahua, and had stowed away in the wheel well of the jet. It was unclear oh, whether Garcia was still alive after enduring the cold and the thin air at high altitudes. And oh, he fell out of a plane. God. That same day? Falling out of an airplane. You know there's been people that have fallen out of an airplane and lived. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. But That's yeah. amazing, but Don't they though. always die a few days later? No, there. I, there's just people that have survived falling out of an airplane. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? I mean, it, it's amazing to think somebody would survive that. Because people jump out of a building and into their death all the time. But if you fall out of an airplane, you can survive that? Think it, about it. That's crazy. Fluke. It can't crazy. be easy. It's insane. Also the same day on Andy Griffith, Goober goes to town on No, but he's grammar. going to... No, we're not... <laughs> no, Floyd, Floyd, no. <laughs> sorry. Floyd decides to... Floyd decides to close the barbershop after he finds Goober's turds all over no, the No, that's not. No, after Howard buys the building and raises the rent. That's not what that was about. Meanwhile, Goober jerks off a horse. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that day she was found. You don't even know what we're talking yeah. about now. Yeah, there's a dead body found. This girl yes. with slacks. So um, she was found in the rear of a hearse. That had oh. been abandoned at a municipal parking lot near a railroad sliding about 20 blocks from the girl's house. Whoa, that's dark. Yes. The car lot <clears throat> was more of a service road in the land sandwiched between the railroad tracks and the homes along 63rd Street. It was not very wide, but it was long. Okay. Kind of like uh <laughs> Stop it. There were no city roads that actually cut through there. Kind of like Armand Chris Wiener. On the side and back of the hearse were painted Frankie's Place, Kenosha, Wisconsin. On the back of the hearse? On the, on the hearse, yeah. Huh. It used to be a hearse, but was sold to the owner of the, this tavern, Frankie's Place. Yeah, to be, be just kind of advertisement. And the, that owner had one time sponsored a baseball team and used the hearse to drive them around. No, that's kind of funny. Yeah. He sold the hearse in 1964 to a salesman who used it to store tires okay. until it was abandoned and impounded. Ah, um, the laboratory's investigation of the death yeah. shows that it came later than the Thursday night of February 9th. Oh, how is that possible? Officials said no specific date of death had been determined, but that a substantial period of time passed before she was slain. Like after, after she was missing and before she was slain. Oh, so she didn't die on the 13th. She, no, she didn't die on the 9th. Oh, she didn't die on the 9th, that's like what she, you're saying. I she see. was last seen on the 9th. I see, and she died later than that. Yeah. Authorities said there were marks on her throat and that a piece of concrete was lying on her abdomen. Concrete blocks were stacked around her body. That's weird. There were no defensive wounds, which is weird. Somebody she knows, I guess, or she was drugged. Right. In the car lot, detectives examined the wire at the top. So then they go to the car lot. They're looking around. Yeah. And there's like barbed wire on the top of the fence. Not, wait, not the movie with Pamela Anderson. No. But the actual wire yes. that is barbed. And, but then they found some places where it had sagged and that people could get into the lot. And, ah, and Jerry sags. Out through the thing. Okay. So, so people could get in and out. But it wasn't they, good barbed wire. But they decided it would be pretty difficult for even a strong man to cross the tracks with a corpse, climb the embankment, lift the barbed wire to get through the fence, clamber down the embankment inside, and I then carry it. the body so to the hearse. So she, she had to be alive when yes. she got in there. Yes. 
Um, what you're saying, unless right. it was an alien. They also theorized that since there was blood inside the hearse, it was evidence that the girl had been placed inside shortly after she was stabbed. Oosh. They also theorized that it was possible that she came with the killer to the lot while still alive and was stabbed somewhere in the yard. Uh, did did she ever go on her date? Or no. Or was she gone before the date? No, she had okay. gone before the date. She never made it. On oh, the date. man. Soda pop. The cor- Kills you. The coroner said the girl's clothing was dirty and there were some rips beside those made by the stabbing. He said those rips indicated she had been dragged some distance, possibly along the snow-covered ground. Not Rip Taylor, but just actual rips. Uh, actual rips, sweetheart. Okay, no rip torn. He also stated the killer must have been a powerful man based on the idea that the girl was brought over the embankment. That yeah. was He was thinking about that. And he also said the knife wounds had been inflicted with great power. Huh. And what was sad was three elementary school children found her. Oh. They were playing among the abandoned vehicles in the lot. Well, how did they get in the lot, the kids? They probably threw the hole in the fence or they where it was sagging. climbing through, yeah. Huh. So after they saw the body, they ran to the gas station and told the attendant, and he didn't believe them. So All then these they, kids make it up. She get out of here, you kids. Get out of here, you fucking kids. So then they ran to the, they found a water department employee locking the gate, and they ran into him. And yeah. they said, come on, there's this and he there's was a an dead ups- body. And, and he so he it. went, and he went and saw, and then went and called the police. So it was probably him. Mm-hmm. One or of it was the, the gas station attendant. I didn't believe him. Could be him. Yeah. So, uh, some of the among the people that were questioned was a girl's boyfriend, who was identified by Mary Ellen's widowed mother, Mrs. Daniela Caldenberg, as an 18-year-old printing apprentice who lived in Kenosha. Police had used snow melting equipment at the scene in an attempt to turn up clues, so they were careful in that way. Um, Mary Ellen had been a junior at Tremper High School, and okay. she lived with her mother. And her brother. And her dad was had died. Oh. And her mother took in boarders. Uh-oh. That doesn't sound right to me. Right. Well, yeah. Although in the 60s, people did that more. Didn't you? You went on this whole tirade the other day about how hitchhiking yes. should have continued. Everybody did it for a long time. And then yeah. people are selling gasoline. Yeah. Right? Or selling cars. Yeah. It was the well, auto manufacturer's were um put started the rumor that hitchhiking was dangerous because they were tired of they want to sell they more wanted cars to sell more gasoline cars. right yep. so it's it's it like was a, very safe and everybody did it yeah and it wasn't that bad right and now we're back to it with uber and lyft kind of yeah and then you start hearing those yeah i mean there's every once in a while there's a murder thing. and stuff but yeah you know the percentage is probably low right you just probably hear about it if it happens. Yeah. So anyway, um, I don't remember where I was. Back to the story. Sorry, I so rudely interrupted. The hearse didn't have any wheels on it. It okay. was like on blocks. If okay. That, I'm trying to give you the clues. Like I see. The here's what. Who knows? You still, but this one's unsolved. This is unsolved. So there was one person on web sleuths that said that knew her, and said I remember her as being tall and sweet. She always said hello to everybody. I felt sorry for her because she dressed very poorly as the family was hard-pressed. Somebody has since told me she sometimes had to wear hand-me-down men's clothing. She was teased because of her clothing and her looks. I think the mother mentioned it in the newspaper to make her torturers at school feel bad. Her body was found frozen and after a heavy snowfall. I think the snow covered up tracks and the cold made it hard to determine time and clues. 
So the impound lot was about eight blocks west of the drugstore where she was going. It also appears that she was held alive for a number of days in an unknown location before oh, she was found in the hearse. That sucks. And so the mom had said that she told police that Mary Ellen had suffered from emotional problems because of the death of her father and, and because she felt like she had a really big nose. Well, those two things combined. Yep. So she had received therapy at a psychiatric clinic and um, in between November 1965 and April 1966. And there's a possibility that the person who killed her was also under care at that same facility, maybe. Ah, that could have been where it happened. For their mental health issues. Or, or not. Let's not stigmatize right. mental health. Or it could have been something with her boyfriend. Or maybe there was a jealous... Oh, I think it has something to do with those borders. He said she lets people they stay did, there. The police did investigate those people. Yeah, and they, they all came out clean? That they they didn't, couldn't find anybody that would stick. Yeah, I don't know. Transients. Transients. But why? She wasn't sexually assaulted, and she was not robbed. So why? It's, yeah, it's got to be somebody that's out to get her. Then. Yeah, because... But then... There was no defensive wounds, which that makes me think that she must have been drugged or something. Yeah. Did but they then she had an autopsy. They didn't talk about that. They didn't so. talk about it. And again, the technology then was probably, and if she didn't, her family didn't have money, they probably didn't care. Yeah. A lot of people weren't probably, yeah. Who cares about poor but people? Where, where was she held for three days? That's the other weird thing. In that hearse? For three days? I don't know. They would have been able to tell. Who knows? Isn't it weird? It is. It is a mystery. It's a mystery. I think there are. I there's a good chance there's aliens in there. <laughs> or chupacabra. Yeah. Or chup, no. There's. Yeah. There is a chupacabra. I know you. What? What are we? <laughs> or is that it? Well, let me just tell. You, I'll Sorry. tell you very briefly these other few <laughs> other ones that. All right. So eleven years later, on January thirtieth, nineteen seventy-eight. Oh. Oh. You mean? Wait. Are you saying the same day? That J.J. feels like he's not going anywhere at his job mm-hmm. with responsibilities or a promotion. And he thinks it's because he's black, and then he dreams he's white, and we see what he thinks can happen for him on good times? Yes. That same day? That same day. Gerlad um, Burnett, 52, was found sprawled in a snowbank near his home at the mouth of, a, of that same alley. That's a guy? Gerlad? Yes. Gerlad. I wasn't sure if Gerlad was a men's name or a lady's name. Or a name at all. Gerlad. He had been beaten to death with a tire iron, killed <sighs> in what police described as a robbery. Suspect Stephen Gross had been convicted and, and imprisoned for the crime. Gosh, he was being murdered while J.J. Mm-hmm. was dreaming. On May 27th, 1979. Oh, the same day that Rick Mears won the Indy 500? Yes. 80-year-old Herman Bosman was found beaten to death in his burning home on the alley's <sighs> east side. Holy crap. Authorities speculate the fire was set to destroy evidence of the murder, which remains unsolved as to this day. Gosh, and here's Rick Mears just celebrating his win. Yep. Jubilant and happy and carefree, not knowing that that dude burned to death. A month later, Alice Elsner, age 18, was unearthed in a rose garden adjoining the alley. Oh, on June 20th, 1979? Hold on, I'll get it. A jury convicted the property owner, 23-year-old Thomas Holt, of raping the victim 
and strangling her with her own brassiere on the night of June 20th, 1979. Oh, the same day that a Nicaraguan National Guard soldier kills ABC TV news correspondent Bill Stewart and his interpreter Juan Espinoza and other members of the news crew capture the killing on tape? Yes. That, on that night, Holt followed Alice Elsner, a resident of Lake Forest, Illinois, when she and a friend drove home after spending the evening at a bar in Kenosha. Wow. After Elsner dropped her friend off, Holt followed Elsner to her house, forced her into his car, and drove back to Kenosha. He apparently attempted to have sex with her, but later claimed not to know whether they had had sex or not because he was totally out of it from drinking beer and smoking marijuana. He stated that Elsner kneed him in the groin and that he must have freaked out, hit her in the face, and may have choked her by tying her bra and sweater around her neck. He then buried her in his neighbor's yard. When Elsner's unclothed body was found, her bra and long-sleeved sweater were knotted tightly around her neck. Nice. He was convicted in Illinois of aggravated kidnapping, battery, and felony murder and was sentenced to death. In 1982, they reversed the felony murder conviction. Um, ruling that Illinois lacked jurisdiction over the crime since the murder occurred in Wisconsin. And so then he was tried in Wisconsin, and then he was um, sentenced to consecutive prison terms of life, 10 years and three years. And then lastly, on January 26, 1981. Oh, the same night that on Dynasty, Blake invites Matthew and Walter to a dinner party, and it goes badly, and Fallon teaches Crystal how to how the rich, how the rich do things. The names are so awful. And then Jeff and Fallon skinny dip in the swimming pool. Fallon. Also, luchador wrestler Volador Jr. was born. Yes. Those same, that same day. There was a triple murder in the neighborhoods um, in, around this alley. Oh, we call that a trip murder in the biz. Victims Alice trip Eaton, kill. John Ammon, and Raphael Petrucci were found dead in Eaton's home adjoining the alley. Nice. Her grandson, Robert McRoberts, was arrested and charged with the slayings. Local officers and residents along the alley keep their personal opinions to themselves, agreeing only that there is something going on out there. You know, I am convinced that not that much happens in one place like that. Yeah, I think there's ghosts or something that takes over people's body, like takes them over, jumps in their body, makes them do killings, and then like because that one guy said he didn't even remember. Yeah, it wasn't the beer and the weed; it was the ghost. It was the ghost. You think? Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good logical. Conclusion, babe. Yep. I think there's spirits that, you know how you have to, like, hold your breath when you go past the cemetery? I don't So that the do demons that. don't take care of everybody? Like, that must be it. Samantha, that's a hickey. <laughs> oh, that sound only means one thing. It looks like one of our guests is returning for all the way from episode five. So as, right. we, as we promised in this hundredth episode, we're bringing back so many of our guest stars that we've yes. had. And now, without further ado, please welcome back uh, Mr. Armand Crisp. Hello? Armand. Hello. How are hi. you? Hi, hi, Joel and Ainsley. Good <laughs> to see you. That's Joe and Amy. But if you guys oh. remember, if you remember last time, Armand, we weren't... We never really got to talk to you because you had a, an unfortunate episode with your dog. Yeah, yeah. It's been, oh, that was a long right. time ago. That was, uh, what, yes. two years? I think it's been so. about two years, Some, right? Yeah. So, something like that. You got pus in your mouth? Yeah, I really thought I was going <laughs> to. Oh, God. Uh, you what? know, um, yeah, a lot has happened since my dog incident. Uh, 
Did you dog I really okay? thought I was going to be on your show again. I did a lot of research and uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> waiting by the phone. I bought a boat. Oh. and uh, you bought a boat. I got a timeshare because <laughs> I thought this was going to be a springboard to something big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I even got that uh, <laughs> surgery on my anus that I just wanted. <laughs> so I had a telescopic anus and oh. I got it taken out. Oh, you did? But before I could get a new one put in, yeah. my health care ran out. Because oh, no. I bought a boat and a timeshare, so now I'm <laughs> boy. I'm shitting through my belly button. <laughs> oh, my oh my god! I'm not laughing. Oh, at I'm you. glad you find that funny. <laughs> no. Next time I'm laying on the toilet, I'll say, "Oh, at least this amuses Joan and Ainsley." <laughs> you gonna lay on the toilet? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. I never got a new anus put in, so now my belly button has a valve. Listen, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> it's really fascinating. Though. I've never heard of anything like that. I've never heard of a telescopic yeah, well, anus. Anyway. Yeah, what um, a, could you tell us what a, uh, what's a telescopic anus? Uh, it's just like, you know, a telescope, how it folds out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what my anus used to do when I poop. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I'm glad you're finding this all so funny. <laughs> no, sorry. Is you, well, is your dog is your dog okay? Well, uh, I guess I'm sure he's fine. Uh oh. Because I'll tell you what didn't happen in 1967. What? My house didn't get foreclosed on. That happened in 2019. No, no really? You know what else didn't happen huh. in 1967? No. What? My wife and kids didn't leave me. And they didn't take the dog. But that happened in 2020. Oh, no. Well, wow, that's a fresh, wo oh, fresh that's, wound. That's terrible. I feel yeah, bad for sounds you. Sounds like you guys have a lot of sympathy. Well, maybe if I was doing American Sidelines every episode, I'd, I would have had the money that I needed. That's, that's but no, now I live in a small studio apartment. <laughs> Oh, well, excuse me. It's my neighbor. <laughs> Kyle! Kyle, turn it down, Kyle! Kyle. I told you. I was going to be on the show with those assholes from American Sidewalk. <laughs> Kyle! Kyle! <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh. that my neighbor, Kyle, who's playing his music too loud. Oh, Kyle sounds like a jerk, huh? Oh. God. Well, anyway, yeah, uh, it's actually called American Timelines, right? American Time Sides. Yeah, we meant to have you on more, but uh, yeah, yeah, sure. We just kind of got away from us. Yeah, That's time fine. just went on. Things yep. do tend to get away sometimes. Well, we'd love to have you. you. Know who doesn't get away? <laughs> Me when he's soliciting prostitutes. Who doesn't get away? <laughs> did well do you have can you like do you have any research on 1967 you can share 1967 i wasn't even born no that's true <laughs> that's that's it do you remember what year you you were on what year we were doing it's 94 it was 94 oh, 94 1994 friends yeah, you were going to talk about friends. <laughs> I don't really feel like talking about friends since I have none anymore. Ooh, Ross and Rachel, they're so witty and funny. Ooh. My wife got the friends. Oh, oh no. Sad. Yeah, they usually pick one. I got a tumbler full of bourbon. That's what I got. <laughs> nice. Awesome. 
sons of bitches. Wait a minute. It sounds like you're upset. I'm just a little upset. It's up. What can be? Oh, we better, we better cut oh, it no. off. Oh, no. Uh, well, what? <laughs> Well, it was it was nice to yeah. talk to you, oh, Mister uh, Crisp. And uh, thanks for being here, Armand. We'll uh, we'll bring you back. We'll bring you back uh, in 1968. I think. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, if you could like just uh, go ahead and plan. I'm so sorry, Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> Are you there, Armand? All right, I think that was it. I think we might have lost him. All right, so that was a great call. That was interesting. That was Armand Crisp. And jumping back into American Timelines. February 10th, 1967, the 25th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified. Oh. It clarified what happens upon the death, removal, or resignation of the president or vice president. And how the presidency is temporarily filled, temporarily filled, if the president becomes disabled and cannot fulfill the responsibilities of the office. Oh, they didn't have that in there until then. No, they didn't have it until then, and so, uh, yeah, uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson certified it uh, later in February, and there was a couple instances where this was a problem in mm-hmm. the past before yeah. this. You know, would... obviously JFK and yeah, uh, the death of William Henry Harrison. Mm-hmm. You remember that yeah. one? He He's, died of pneumonia or something? Yeah, he died like a, a minute a, after. Like a, yeah, less than a month into his thing, a couple weeks, I think. Uh, and then John Tyler became the vice president, the first vice president to become president. Oh, yeah. And he never had a vice president. Like He refused, He was only supposed to be acting president. He was oh. He act as president until they do a different election. And he, yeah. He was like, no, I'm president, bro. And he just be, he oh. refused to not be president. See, so shit like that's happened. And they call him his accidency. And then Woodrow Wilson had a stroke in 1919, mm-hmm. but his wife didn't tell anybody how bad the stroke was, so she really did everything. Ran everything? Yeah, so we had oh, our first female awesome. president already uh, back then. Um, and then Andrew Johnson, you know, when Lincoln got shot, Andrew Johnson yeah. became president, mm-hmm. and then he never, he never had a vice president. Oh. Uh, and so... This also clear clarifies like who becomes president if that person dies, then kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so there's all kinds of things. Um, like Nixon was acting president when uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower had uh, surgery or something, uh, mm-hmm. but Nixon never claimed he was president. He was just acting at the time. Um, but when Lyndon B. Johnson underwent a planned surgery in '65. Ratification hadn't happened yet, so uh, they they were working on this bill. Oh, right. So he was unable to temporarily transfer power to Vice President Hubert H. Humphrey. Oh. Other other people know him as Triple H. (laughs) I don't think anybody calls him that. Yeah, they do. Triple H. Trips. And he's a wrestler and comes out to Motorhead. And then on... Wednesday, February 15th, 1967, mm-hmm. 10 people were killed and 12 others injured in a chain reaction explosion at an ammunitions manufacturing plant near Texarkana, Texarkana, Texas. Oh, I think I heard about that. A few minutes before the scheduled 11 p.m. change of shifts, a 105 millimeter 
shell exploded while being handled by an assembly line worker and touched off a chain reaction of other shells in the area. Holy moly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, somebody said... Uh, there's a start up. Somebody was one of the witnesses said a ball of fire went right down the line and several people's clothing caught on fire. Man. Said one witness who didn't want to give his name. The blast occurred at 10:30 p.m. and the fire burned fiercely until it was controlled about 12:15 a.m., destroying the roof of the tile building. Uh, I bet that was something to see. That'd be crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And then Sunday, February 18th, 1967. The Buckinghams, kind of a drag, became the number one song of the Billboard chart. Kind of a drag. Da, na, 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 na. That's, you sing that's kind of a drag, too, bro. All right. And then Monday, February 20th, 1967, Jose Suarez, a resident of Brooklyn, New York, who had confessed to stabbing his common-law wife and her five children to death in 1966, was freed. And the charges were dismissed because of the failure of interrogators to give him the Miranda warning. Boom. Advising of his right to an attorney. Oh, my God. The prosecutor admitted that the state had no other evidence against Suarez, and Judge Michael Kern reluctantly dismissed the case, commenting that this is a very sad thing. It is repulsive. It makes one's blood run cold to let a thing like this out on the street. A thing like this. Yep. wonder if he ever killed again. Nope, he was. That fine. could have been some good research. Good. Yeah. That could have some good follow up. I guess I could have looked that up. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, February twenty eighth, nineteen sixty seven. President Johnson sent a message to the U.S. Senate asking for the introduction of what would become the Public Broadcasting Act of nineteen sixty seven. Okay. I am convinced the president said that a vital and self-sufficient non-commercial television system will not only instruct but inspire and uplift our people. The creation of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting would be signed into law on November 7th and would create public funding for the existing National Education Television Network. And now they're trying to tear it down. Yep. Isn't that sad? Well, they always are. I just loved Channel 9 is what it was in my, when I grew up. PBS was Channel 9. Yeah, I mean, it was very good for... What was your channel? Uh, three. You don't remember? Yeah, it was Channel 3. I remember all the channels. Like Channel Eleven was, was like uh, CBS for us. A lot of reruns. Well, some of them changed. Eleven and thirteen switched, and when I was like, in we had two, school. four, and five. Anyway, nobody cares. About nobody that. cares. Um, anyway, but they kind of have a point. Like, how many people really watch PBS anymore? I mean, I know it's sad though. Here and there, but but there's so much. There's so much media now. I there's know. A diff- we're in a different world. I think children. They still have a, a strong children's. PBS yeah, little kids, kids, little kids, PBS maybe. kids, yeah, because right. yeah. you know it's, it'll be clean and yeah. Okay. And as a parent, you don't God, know anymore. You don't know anything, no especially idea. when they get to be the age of our kids. Yeah, when you're in your, I can't ever tell. I'm like, teens. is that bad? Is it not bad? What? It's no just a bunch idea. of idiots it, on YouTube that oh, they watch. Yeah. That's exactly over and over. They just watch idiots doing stupid, idiot stuff. That it's like, it's not even clever. I'm no. So, why are you watching someone play a video game? You could just play the video game yourself. Or I told Audrey today she was watching some kids playing Roblox. And I was like, you could just go in the next room. Henry's playing a video game yeah. right now. Watch that. Right. Like, wh- why would you watch these guys? Why are they getting yeah. money for it? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get and it And then at all. sometime in March mm-hmm. of 1967, 
from weirduniverse.net. Faced with slow sales of its sandals, the Haband Mail Order Company of New Jersey advertised them as captured Viet Cong slipper sandals. Oh, no. They claimed they were the first big style find of the war. (gasps) That's terrible. Only the fine print explained that it was the design that had been captured, not the sandals themselves. And even so, not really, because they had been selling the same sandals for years. The rebranded sandals reportedly sold like mad. (laughs) Why would people buy those? Capitalizing off the Viet Cong sandals. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is. Here's a funny one. Wednesday, March 1st, 1967. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of the Berkeley Barb? No. A counterculture newspaper in, in the 60s. It published a fake story <clears throat> about extracting hallucinogenic chemicals from bananas well, from bananas mm-hmm. to raise moral questions about banning drugs. People didn't realize it was a hoax and began smoking banana peels to try to get high. Oh, my God. I think I've heard of that. Have you heard of that? I've heard of smoking banana peels. That the recipe they wrote in the article said, freeze the peels, break and reduce to a pulp in a blender, put in the oven, low heat 200 degrees until it's dry enough to smoke. Yes, the barb was suggesting that people get high off of bananas. Uh, People were indeed paying attention, and a doctor wrote in the New York Times that banana scrapings provide, if anything, a mild psychedelic experience. A recipe appeared in William Powell's The Anarchist Cookbook, and before long, everyone was talking about banadine, a supposedly hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic mm-hmm, chemical naturally occurring in bananas. A few weeks later, the New York Times reported that a federal investigation was underway, but the barb was full of it. It was a hoax played on the mainstream press and government authorities who were clumsily watching the newspaper for insights in youth culture and activism. So the whole thing was they tricked them all. It was all a joke. That's that's pretty funny. Makes me want to smoke some banana peels, though, doesn't it? I wonder why they assumed that he had hallucinogenic qualities. I don't know. They were doing it. They were lying and doing it on purpose. Oh, okay. Yeah. People bought it. Samantha, that's a hickey. That can only mean one thing. We're about to be joined by one of our returning guests here for our special 100th episode. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome... Local Chicago movie fan coming to us live from the Green Lady in Chicago, the Great Craft Beer Bar. Please welcome Brandon Wilhelm. I oh, just... wait, are, are you starting it now? Oh, we've already. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh, okay. Hey, can we turn the volume down a bit? <laughs> no, it sounds Sorry, fine. Sorry, No, you're Sorry, fine. Sorry, I'm in the Green Lady, so turning down the TVs. Oh, they don't have to turn on the TVs. You sound fine. Oh, okay. Make bossing him around. <laughs> He's bossing around. That's his, that's his bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to mention the movies that came out in 1967. Okay. And you're going to just tell me what tell me about them. <laughs> All right. Off the top of your head. I'll see what I can do. Guess who's coming to dinner? That's a good one. Um. Yes. A uh, decent movie, kind of stereotypical. Who's in it? Sydney Poitier. Sydney uh, Poitier, um, Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy. What's the best Scott thing? Of, what's the best thing about it? It's uh, uh, the it's fact a, it was like one of the first portrayals of a interracial couple yeah. of a interracial couple. Interracial couple, yes. Uh, have you ever masturbated to it? Um, <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> okay, but, bon- you know, Bonnie and Clyde. 
All right, of Clyde, great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Who's in that? Mr. Know-it-all. Uh, Warren Beatty is uh, Clyde. Faye Dunaway is Bonnie. Gene Hackman is uh, Clyde's brother. Gene right. Wilder as a mortician. Wait, Gene Wilder and Gene Hackman are both in it? Both of them, yep. If you could bang one of them when they were in their payday, <laughs> who would it be? God. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder? Oh, what about you? Yeah. Hackman? Eh? Hackman. You're a Hackman? Um... Yeah, I think I'd probably take Hackman. I'd let him go to town on me. <laughs> All right. Uh, in, uh, in the heat of the night. <laughs> yes, another great movie. Who's in that? Sidney Poitier. Uh, Carol O'Connor, right? Um, oh, Carol. that was the TV show with Carol O'Connor. Oh, oh Carol O'Connor. <laughs> that was, the heat of the night became a TV show, right? It was a TV show, right? Later. It was in the 80s and early 90s. And yes. that was, it was Carol O'Connor, yeah. Ah, yeah, but who was in this? Who's in the movie? Uh, City Poitier and Rod Steiger in the Carol. Oh, Rod Steiger. Yeah. Uh, so Sidney Poitier. got that famous, uh, that guy, the white guy slaps City Poitier and he just slaps him back. Really? Sidney Poitier was line. A... They call me Mr. Tibbs. Oh, that's right. Sidney <laughs> Poitier was in everything. Mm-hmm. All right. He's yeah, a good looking man. Dr. Doolittle. <clears throat> Wait, what are you drinking? That movie sucks. Doctor uh, drinking sucks? a spiteful alley time pale ale. Oh, spiteful alley time pale ale! I believe I had a little spiteful alley when I was there. Last. Oh, did you like that? This is live from the Green Lady, by the way. This is recorded live from the Green Lady in Chicago, which I've shouted out more than one time. Yes. On this podcast, so if you yes. live, if you're in Chicago, go ever just stop whatever you're doing, whatever you're there for, and just go to the Green Lady and say hi to a guy with long hair on that's the edge of the bar. The You'll see him sit on the end of the bar, the same seat every time. Yeah. He's got beautiful red cheeks and wonderful glasses. Uh, my name is on the seat, by the way. It is. Oh my god. Yep. Jeez. Brandon. Yeah, I'll show you the plaque. Hold on. Well, this is a podcast, so they can't see it, but I can see it. Oh yeah, you could always cut this out too. That's true. Great, now i got to edit. Oh, my God, it does say Brandon Wilhelm on there. Nice. Holy cow. That's great. That's a great bar that does that. <laughs> I want to have sex at that bar, in that bar. I want to have sex with All right, that nobody bar. wants to, no. Okay, nobody wants yeah. to. Dr. Doolittle, is it terrible? Uh, Dr. Doolittle sucks. Who was in it? Rex Harrison is Dr. Doolittle, and he sucks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> How do you really feel, Mops? <laughs> I don't remember the girl's name. She's not bad in it, but the movie sucks. Did you ever masturbate? Oh, the guy oh. who used to be in Seven Up commercials who had the laugh like, oh, I can't remember his name. Never will. That guy? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. I like that guy. He's it's in the, that? He's in it. Yeah, he plays a native, so it's a little racist. Oh, no. It's racist. What, now, wasn't there a new Dr. Doolittle with uh, Eddie uh, Murphy? No, right? Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. There's even a new one. Oh, there is? Yeah, is I don't think too? anyone saw it. That one sucked too? I don't know. I didn't see it. Don't plan to. All right. And the final one, The Graduate. Oh, that's a good one. Also a good movie. Do you love it? Uh, Dustin Hoffman and uh, Anne Bancroft. Now, and Catherine Ross, I believe. Now, I'll just say it. This is one, if you're going to masturbate, do a 1967 yeah, be Best one. Picture. It, it would be this one. It would be this one, right? Kind of. Oh, hot. definitely. Yeah, I don't of. know. Maybe Doctor Doolittle a little bit. There's a lot of animals. Yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, birds. Muppet likes the birds. You like birds? You're a bird fan. Yeah, there's some birds in there. All right, quick Get behind that. Name ten birds fast. Uh, Robin, Sparrow, Warbler. Uh, you know he's Red counting on his fingers. Donnie Woodpecker, Harry Woodpecker, <laughs> Eagle, <laughs> Red-tailed Hawk. I don't know how many that is. 
Oh, great. Uh, okay, now how grackle, much? Now name. Bow-tailed grackle. <laughs> <laughs> now name all the birds. Name all the birds you've had up your ass. Uh, eagles. Just eagles. No warblers? Because I love America. Oh. Nah, no warblers. No, right. no blue tits? I'm going for size. What about a blue tit? <laughs> That That's thing? not a real bird. Oh, it's well, not it's even not, wrong. There's something there's with a, a tit. Tit. Yeah, see, a bush tit. There's a bush tit? That's even yeah, better. Bush tit. There's a bird called bush tit. I'm going to start watching And there's birds. a tit mouse. I knew there was a tit mouse, I think. I was thinking of it. There's something with tits. An anal bead. An anal bead. That's not a bird. <laughs> anyway, That's just a thing. Thank <laughs> but he's had it in his ass. <laughs> thank you for being part of our 100th episode and coming Yay! back. Yay. Uh, and we're going to... I think we're going to start bringing guests back because uh, after uh, Armand Chris just did a great job and this was fun just having you riff off all the movies might be all we need to do. Yeah. Give a little, you know, expert advice and then you talk about all the birds that have been up your ass. That's worth <laughs> We're good. <laughs> That's great. Oh, good yeah, definitely. Yes. Also, I should throw out 67. The, all those movies were like the turning point between the studio system and the new Hollywood system that came in. What does that mean? In the late 60s, early 70s. That's a, a turning point in movies from uh, like the big bombastic musicals like Dr. Doolittle, the more like, slower character-driven movies like The Graduate and okay. Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, okay. So it's, a, it's like a a change in in pop culture and movies and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Really? Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's so pretty good, awesome. Good, good thing we called you when we did. Uh, but every year there's probably something about movies that are groundbreaking and different that you can there are, speak yeah. intelligently. But that's, a, that's a big one just in terms of which movies were nominated and which one won and stuff like that. Huh. I like this idea like maybe maybe we do a podcast where we just get you as drunk as possible just ramble about movies uh yeah you can ask my friend colby he'll tell you all about that is colby there yeah he is where we're at is that who's uh, right the bathroom there. yeah colby hello take your shirt off you weirdo no oh geez colby's pissed buy me dinner first Buy me dinner first. Oh, okay. I'll buy him dinner. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here, buddy. No problem, dude. And drink. Pour one out for your homies. I will do that. And we both. For you and Armand, Crisp, and Amy. Yeah. Yay! There's Amy. Woo! We all Woo! want you inside us. And listen to the 100th episode next week. Get nope. your deck out. I'll think about it. All right, buddy. Thank you. Jumping back into American Timelines. And then Thursday, March 2nd, 1967, the ninth annual Grammy Awards were held mm -hmm. in Chicago, uh, Los Angeles, Nashville, and New York. That it's that the ninth annual Grammy Awards were noted for not presenting the Grammy Award for Best New Artist. Frank Sinatra won five awards, and it was hosted by Kirk Douglas. Aretha Franklin won the Grammy for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance in 1967. The year the category was created. She also won it in 68, 69, 70, 71, 72, 73, and 74. Wow. Oh. Yep. And so then, they were noted for not, what did you say? They were noted for not. The ninth Grammy Awards is notable for not presenting the Grammy Award for Best New Artist. Why didn't they do that? I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all I had. All right. And then March 4th, 1967, the Rolling Stones take over the number one spot in the Billboard chart with Ruby Tuesday. Okay. It's all right. And then on the 5th of March, the Lake Central Flight 527, a Convair CV580 crashed 
after a propeller came loose during a storm, penetrated the cabin and several control cables. The airliner, which was flying passengers from Cincinnati and Columbus to Toledo, Ohio, broke apart and fell from the sky onto a farm near the town of Marseille, Ohio, Ooh. killing all 38 on board. Wow. That's from GenDisasters.com. And then March 7th, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. Jimmy Hoffa, president of the International Teamsters Union, began an eight-year federal prison sentence. Yes. And then uh, CBS Reports aired the first television news documentary in U.S. history to report on gay and lesbian issues, hosted by Mike Wallace and viewed by 40 million people. That's awesome. The Homosexuals, was the name of the show, reflected the bias of the American Psychological Association, labeling homosexuality a mental illness. That's right. But it also showed gays and lesbians as individuals whose civil rights were deprived. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But TV critics got all upset and everything. I'm sure they did. And then on March 9th, 1967, mm-hmm. there's another plane crash. The TWA Flight 553, flying from Pittsburgh to Dayton, collided in midair with a small Beechcraft Baron executive plane over Concord Township, five miles from Urbana, Ohio. All 25 people on the DC-9 which were killed. Jeez, another along one. Along with the Beechcraft's sole occupant. So I think... I put these in here because I was thinking aviation rules probably really had to change a lot around this time. Yeah. There's more and more planes, planes in the stuff, air. So there's probably all kinds of rules. Um, that same day, U.S. Navy Lieutenant Frank Prendergast became the only American aviator to escape after being captured in North Vietnam. Hmm. After bailing out of his plane and coming down off the coast of North Vietnam's Tang Hoa Province, after inflating his life preserver, Pendergrass was forced to surrender when a party of NVA soldiers waded out toward him. As he and they slowly marched back toward shore, several U.S. Navy planes strafed the beach, and all but two of the soldiers fled. With each strafing run, the two soldiers would dive underwater while Pendergrass remained standing. When he saw an SH-3 rescue helicopter, he waited for his two captors to go underwater again, pulled a small 25 caliber automatic from his flight suit, and shot the first guard to surface. While the SH-3's door gunner killed the other one. He was then flown back to the USS Kitty Hawk. Well, that's cool. <coughs> that's exciting, huh? Yeah, it's a little action. Yeah. And then on the 10th of March in 1967, Mrs. Maria Teresa Sepulveda, a 21-year-old woman in Mexico City, gave birth to the first confirmed case of octuplets. Oh, my God. Four boys and four girls. And I, they didn't, that was, it must have been natural. I guess, but although eight, all eight were born alive, none of them, who ranged in size from 18 and a half to 22 ounces, survived. None of them? The last one, a boy, passing away 14 hours after his birth. They all died. I mean, it's like, it's like having a litter of puppies. Yeah, they had to be tiny. Yeah. Yeah, 18 ounces. Yeah, that's pretty small. And then on March 11, 1967, the Supremes, Love is Here and Now You're Gone, takes over the number one spot. The same day that the first list of endangered species was issued by Stuart Udall, the U.S. Secretary of the Interior, with a total of 78 animals in the U.S. that were threatened with extinction. Well, that's a good development. Yeah, they started doing that. The list included <coughs> the grizzly bear, the red wolf, and the Florida manatee, and the chupacabra. 
And then on Friday, March 17th, St. Patty's Day, Billy Corgan, singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, was born in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Oh. And then March 18th, 1967, the Beatles take over the number one spot in the Billboard chart with Penny Lane. Penny Lane is in my ears. And while you keep singing that, while that was number one, keep going, the first demonstration (laughs) of slow motion incident replay on a television uh, was shown to viewers of ABC Wide World of Sports. And they tuned in to see the finals of the World Series of Skiing. And that was the first slow motion, watching slow motion skiing. Oh, wow. So people were getting big boners for that. Big boners. And that same day, Miss X was found. You know who that is? No. Miss X is an unidentified deceased woman whose body was found on March 18, 1967, near the towns of Bear, Wilmington, and Glasgow, Delaware. Hmm. Originally, investigators investigators thought she died uh, during an illegal abortion. A more detailed examination, however, had to determine that she and her unborn child died of sepsis. Hmm. Uh, it was her body was found on the side of the road. The only item of clothing she wore was a pair of blue bikini-like underwear. The manufacturer's label had been removed. A red ribbon tied her hair back from her face. The victim's legs were encased in a whitish-colored canvas laundry bag, which had Bag O Storage American Laundry Dry Cleaning EX45277 printed on it. Hmm. It's not clear if she was associated with such an establishment. It is believed she died at a different location from where she was found. The victim was three months pregnant at the time of her death. Only three months pregnant. Yeah. Originally, investigators thought she died from an illegal abortion. We talked about a substance resembling an abortion chemical was found in her vaginal cavity. However, the true cause of death was an untreated infection of unknown origin. Hmm. Yeah, and there's some other details about her and stuff. So I didn't know if that was something you want to cover or... Well, if I can't not find it. Yeah. There. yeah. And then on Sunday, March 19th, the first of two unexplained incidents happened at Maelstrom Air Force Base near Great Falls, Montana, where the U.S. Air Force had miss missile silos for its Minutemen ICBMs. Mm-hmm. According to later accounts, crews in the area had seen unidentified objects hovering near or over the silos of the Echo flight section. And starting at 845, the launch facilities of 10 missiles began going offline and inoperable. Oh. Eight days later, at the Oscar flight section of Malmstrom AFB, another set of missiles went offline after a UFO was seen. Oh, that's spooky. Isn't that weird? Like yeah. Somebody's trying to stop war or yeah. something. Or maybe drones from the future. I don't know what that is. I don't know, babe. That's Mo- a mystery. Monday, March 20th, 1967, according to the Japan Times, Shizo Kanakuri has mm-hmm. the record for the slowest time in the men's Olympic marathon. 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, <laughs> Five hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. To run a marathon? He started running it in 1912. Yeah. And he finished it in 1967. What? He disappeared in 1912 and was given a chance to finish it in 1967. He said, along the way, I got married, had six children, and ten grandchildren. So what happened was it was really hot that day, and he had flown from uh, Japan to, I think, Switzerland is where it was. Mm -hmm. uh, And he passed out during it. And, oh. and some local farmers or something took him in and took care of him mm-hmm. until he got better and left him. But he never told anybody or never reported it. So they oh. never, nobody ever knew what happened to him. So they were going through records, I guess, in the 60s. And, and he'd competed in other things since. But yeah. they contacted him and said, hey, you never finished this race and nobody ever heard from you. 
You Technically, want... you're still in it. Do you want to finish it? And he was 75 years old when he came back and finished it. Oh, funny. Yep. Isn't that funny? Yep. Tuesday, March 21st, 1967, Pink Floyd was recording their first studio album, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn, mm-hmm. in EMI's Abbey Road Studios. Meanwhile, the Beatles were working on Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band next door. Oh. According to UltimateClassicRock.com, Pink Floyd drummer Nick Mason reveals that the band was starstruck when he met the Beatles when the two acts were at the same recording space in the 60s. Pink Floyd were laying down tracks for their first album while... Uh, oh, he said, well, we were recording in Abbey Road, the Temple of Greatness, and they were recording Lovely Rita, recalls Mason in an interview in the Wall Street Journal. They were godlike figures to us. They all seemed extremely nice, but they were in a strata so far beyond us that they were out of our league. Yeah, I bet. I bet they were like starstruck. And while they were doing that, Charles Manson was released from the Terminal Island Prison in California after being incarcerated since 1960 mm-hmm. in order to complete a 1957 prison sentence. Yes, we'll get to that. And that came to the summer of love and everything. So you're we'll get that. to okay, it. Okay, we'll get to it. Sorry. Well, but I'm we'll probably have to de- dedicate a whole episode just to that. In the in '67 or later? '69. Oh, because he doesn't. He had mur- He doesn't. Mm-mm. Oh, the murders come later. Yeah. Okay, okay. and then March twenty second, nineteen sixty seven, Muhammad Ali had his last fight before being stripped his title for mm-hmm. not joining the army. Then Saturday, March twenty fifth, sixty seven, the Turtles. Take over the number one spot with Happy Together. Oh, yeah. I like that one. Samantha? That's a Oh, oh, you know what that sound means? It can only mean one thing. It's time for one more of our guests. All of our guests are coming back for our 100th episode. That's right. As you've seen. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back from episode... Seven. Seven. Uh, <laughs> Andy. Andy. Uh, my name is uh, oh. Clover Cleveland Steamer. What is it? Your brother. Clover? I'm your brother Clover. I thought your name was uh, Franklin Pierce's Nipples. Oh, that's that probably it? right. I don't remember. Anyway. Franklin Pierce back- Nipples or uh, Millard Fill My Anus. Oh, yeah, back from episode seven, Millard Fill Up My Anus. <laughs> <laughs> One of the more clever that moments. Just be your name. <laughs> Millard Fill Up My Anus. Anyway, welcome back. And you, I believe, focused on comic books, maybe, in episode seven, the history of comics or something like that, or the 90s comics, maybe? No, I just, I just sat he didn't, in. Yeah. But I, no, I, he I was didn't talking about, talk about everything. I was here for yeah. the show. I knew you were there, but I thought you did like a thing about comics. You were wrong. No, I uh, I did this when you screwed up the recording the first time. You're so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes, uh, I I can tell you. I wanted to come on and tell you that you're missing all the the comic book debuts of some of the best comic book characters ever throughout the '60s, which was the technically the Silver Age of comics. Oh. It was, but uh, it's when Marvel Comics really started kicking all sorts of butt talks. Ah, Marvel Comics started too. Now, this is being yeah. recorded on a day where I just saw a headline to just today that said that Marvel is taking over the DC Comics universe now. Is what? that a thing? I that doesn't oh, make any sense. I haven't some seen rumor. that headline. Maybe it's wrong. Never mind. All right. Anyway, starting <laughs> making some shit <laughs> I don't up know over anything. here. All right. Okay. So. If, if Disney bought Warner Brothers, then maybe that's a real headline. 
but I don't think that's yeah, happened. That's what I thought maybe happened. I don't know. What Disney's do going to own everything pretty soon. Yeah, so I don't know anything about comic books, and Amy is a super nerd. What? <laughs> no, sorry, I just want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> no, Amy's a nerd, like totally nerd. Like She's a true crime yeah, nerd. She's a true it. crime that's nerd, right. but so, she's not a comic nerd. I, I like superheroes. I like wearing underoos, but I don't know anything about comics. So... Uh, so we were going to have you on. I think we're going to have you on periodically to talk about comics. And then we just never did. Yes. So I must have done a really great job. <laughs> oh, by the way, I want to uh, thank you guys uh, for your shout out in the last episode about the uh, CVS oh, yeah. coupon. Yeah. Uh, my wife uh, it, uh, went into a CVS and got her bush yes. out. Uh, but they didn't really give her the oh. discount. But she went over across the street to Walgreens and did that, and then they gave her a can. Oh, of well, so, that's that works. Yeah, maybe it was Walgreens after all. I get those two mixed up, and who we approached uh, with the. I very... hope she put her bush away, or she'd have some pubes in the Pringles. <laughs> <laughs> I always have pubes in my Pringles. Yeah, <laughs> the so, pube flavored Pringles. There's just like it's weird that you know a lot of these uh, pharmacies really want specific deals uh, when you make a partnership mm-hmm. with them. Yes. All right. Okay. Ed, take it away with your stupid comic book bullshit, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm just going to run down a quick list of the uh, the notable day butts that happened uh, for comic stuff in the okay. 60s. What you've missed so far. We're at 67 yes. right now. The first appearance of the Justice League. That's big. Uh, Justice League is the, uh, let me just say, I know, it's Flash Gordon. Flash yeah. Gordon. It's no. uh, Captain. <laughs> I know that. Nice. Captain USA. Captain America. No. Uh, Wonder, <laughs> no. Wonder Woman. Wonder Boy. Wonder Woman's in there, I think. Wonder Woman. Batman. Isn't it like the Spider-Man. Super Friends? Isn't the Justice League kind of the same thing as the Super Friends, pretty much? It's the Super Basically, Friends. Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's Justice League. That's who I said. Aquaman. You were naming all kinds of things that Green Lantern, Yarn, and the Super Friends. Uh, Black Panther, Blade, and Black Panther. <laughs> yes. No, Flood. I have no idea. No, let me really guess. Flash, Alfred. Green right. Lantern. We're not gonna play this Aquaman. game anymore. Okay, all the DC guy. Okay, who cares? Justice League showed up. Yeah, it's DC guy. Like the first time they group, grouped up together, and that was like, a copy off of the also, Avengers. Also. No, the Avengers come uh, in 1963. Get mad. I know. You're, you're <clears throat> I like piss off. Pushing nerds. buttons. Yes. All right. Yeah. Listen, man. Uh, and also, uh, Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy came out in 1960. Well, he's not in DC. He's oh. not. This is just another oh. character that was notable. That they I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Groot is that They old, were that old. Like that the Guardians of the Galaxy are that old? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, well, this Groot predates the Guardians of the oh. Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy are 1969. 69, and, dude. Uh, oh you know when we get to 69, all I'm going to do is say 69, dude, over and over. So everybody skip that episode. Yeah, we'll have to yes, skip that. It's going to happen all the yep. time. But uh, Groot, when he debuted, uh, it was before superheroes had their big uh, renaissance in the 60s. Uh, and Groot was more like a giant tree monster that was a scary horror Oh, comic he was his thing. own comic? Uh, well, it was uh, something like Tales of Suspense or uh, Tales to Astonish. Oh, oh that sounds like familiar. I remember reading something about that. Yeah. Now, 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 so Groot wasn't really part of Guardians of the Galaxy at the beginning? 
No, because Garden of the Galaxy didn't exist yet. But Groot came out in 1960 as a horror. Oh. But what I'm asking is, when Guardians of the Galaxy came out in comic book form, was Groot always part of that? No. The first Guardians of the Galaxy in 1969, the only dude from that book that's in the movies is uh, Yondu. The blue dude with the Not even the main around. guy? Star-Lord or whatever? No, he the came guy out from later. Parks and Rec? That's bullshit. So yeah. are nerds mad about that? No, because all right, save uh, it for it save it for our thing. other podcast, Nerd School, which is coming to you <laughs> in the second right. quarter of 2020. <laughs> we'll talk right. about that then. All right. Uh, so um, 1961 is the Fantastic Four. Ah, uh, yeah, Mister Plastic, Plastic Man. Or right, that's, that's not. Okay, sorry, but there is a Plastic Man in that. No, Mr. Fantastic, uh, He's I in think. D.C. He's a different oh, guy. Uh, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Girl, the Human Torch, and the ever-loving blue-eyed thing. Ah, the thing played by Michael Chiklis. In, in that one, uh, in two of those movies. <laughs> We've talked about that. Michael Chiklis uh, has the trifecta of the three greatest characters that all get to play. One guy get, got to play the thing, Curly, Howard, and uh, John Belushi. Oh, he did? Right? Did he play John Belushi? Uh, I guess he did play Curly, didn't he? Didn't he do a Three yeah. Stooges movie? They did? I yeah. don't even know Michael that. Michael Chiklis, the greatest actor of our time. Oh, my God. And also he was on that show, The Shield, or whatever. Uh, oh, anyway, The Shield, that's a, the original Marvel Shield show. No, nothing to like do with you Marvel. Even know. There you go. Nothing Back. to do with Marvel. All right. 1962, you got Ant-Man. You got the Hulk. You got Spider-Man. You've got those four. all started the same year, and they're yeah. all created by Stan Lee. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, except Spider-Man was Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Stan Lee was a machine. Uh, that dude pumped out the characters. Yeah, they were they were cranking these stuff. These dudes. And they were out. just making them up, uh, or were they inspired by other things like stories they read? Uh, um, I, I yeah, I'm sure they were inspired by things, but uh, like. He talked about uh, creating Spider-Man just because he wanted to do something insect-themed because he saw a dude... He was trying to think up superpowers. Yeah. Saw a fly on the wall and said, oh, insect man, a dude that can crawl on walls. And then, you know, start spitballing until they come up with that. And then he says, here's an idea. And then he sends it to Jack Kirby. He does all the... the or Steve Ditko, and for Spider-Man's case, he did all the designs and all the cool art and all the stuff like that. And then Stan Lee took all that stuff back and started writing stories with that stuff. Why can't why can't that you was, do uh, the why can't you do that? Because <laughs> uh, I'm not Stan Lee in the no. '60s when every new idea is pretty much hasn't been I'm done. Come up before. with some new ones. <laughs> get get on that. All right, '63. Right. All right, 1963. Iron Man. Oh, uh, mm. played the Wasp. Yeah. Doctor Strange, the X Men, the Avengers. Holy cow. Uh, that was a big year. And uh, the Duke Patrol. 1964, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, the Black Widow, Daredevil, Hawkeye, the Teen Titans. Uh, 1965, you've got uh, Wonder Girl, Wonder Woman's little sister. Mm. Huh. Uh, 19... I know that was a thing. 1966, uh, Silver Surfer, the Black Panther. Um then 1967, where we are now, uh, Batgirl in her incarnation as uh, Commissioner Gordon's oh, daughter. Commissioner Gordon. I was going to ask, is she is she Bruce Wayne's daughter? No. 
there was uh, there was a Batwoman from the forties or something that was uh, his. Were cousin. any of them sexually with Bruce Wayne? Uh, not his cousin. No. But um, what's his name's daughter? Commissioner Gordon. Uh, there's certain stories where that they do, but normally Batgirl is really into uh, Dick Grayson. Well, who's Robin. Commissioner Gordon sleeping with? Uh, his <laughs> wife, who was also Barbara, oh. I think. But then there's a storyline where he cheated on her or something. What? The whole oh my time. God. Commissioner Gordon is a, a, a storyline. What do you call a romantic lead? And then he felt real crappy about it. Cheats on his wife. He's a he's a scoundrel, a scamp, scamp. I don't think that's. Well, he, he felt pretty bad about he it. He did. You know, deep yeah. down, he felt yeah, like. Yeah, was... you know, that sounded really heartfelt. <laughs> you really are his. Yeah, course. the 60s are when, like, they really started de- uh, developing, like, comic book characters with human flaws, as opposed to being these larger than life super dudes that could do no wrong. Really? Uh-huh. Like, stuff started coming in. Like, that was a part of Stanley's big thing was superheroes have personal problems. Wow. You should really and... teach a history class history about of comics. Comic books. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that at right. Nerd, Nerd School. Nerd School. At Nerd School like, with a kid. 1967, you have uh, Captain Marvel, the original one, who was a dude from Nerd outer space. Who, uh, you can't do a backwards Died of space cancer. <laughs> anyway. Sorry. <laughs> so we... we uh, next, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just let's say, all talk at okay. the same time. I was going to say, we just started falling asleep. That's how boring this is. So, <laughs> not all just right. kidding. I'll just run through the rest. 1968, <laughs> Carol Danvers, a.k.a. the current Captain Marvel. Um... The Vision. In 1969, the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, and the Falcon. Oh, I like that character in uh, Captain America. So a lot of our listeners are true crime fans, and they're just waiting to get to the murders and the rapes. And they're like, I can't sit through this this comic history. I want someone to be in pain and sad. Yes, correct. Well, uh, if you read a bunch of comic books... People get hurt a lot. <laughs> Trying to sell the true crime community. Were any comic of these books. comic right? Were Stanley murdered? Uh, recently, hey, yeah. he was murdered, right? Uh, he died of no, murder. But there was uh, some bad blood between Stanley and Jack Kirby for a really? long time. Really? Did one of them kill the other one's wife? No, Stanley tended to take a lot more credit for uh, things and box other people out sometimes. Oh, uh, I was stomping all over the guy's grave. Why don't you? Yeah, no. no kidding. I mean, he he was he was a great dude, but um, a lot of the artists he worked with felt like they gave him the shaft. Shaft. Well, thanks for being for on our hundredth episode. Yeah, uh, we're gonna oh, do the fifties next season, and maybe we'll have you uh, specialize in some fifties comics. Yep, uh, they're less famous. Yeah, that's why I think that nobody will know about them. So <laughs> if I can find famous. a couple, that I'll just I'll just call you and be like, well. Here's a comic that came up that nobody's ever heard of. Let's see if Andy can tell us about it. All right. Uh, but those are mostly the comics that made Stanley want to quit. Oh, those 50s <laughs> ones then, are? Uh, yeah. Like, like, he was, like a lot of horror comics, a lot of romance and uh, uh, stuff like that. Detectives and stuff that was maybe. Big. And he, he was about to quit and his wife said, how about you write one comic that you want to write? And that was the Fantastic Four. And then it took off and then he, he was off to the races. Cool. That's pretty awesome. So there you go. Cool, I guess. Is it cool? Cool. It's not Heel. that cool. All right. Well, All right. well, I'm, I'm glad you called me up so I can bore you guys for a little. Yeah, while. no, that's good. We everybody needs a nap during every podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Take a little little sleep break and uh, between oh, rapes. That's yeah, right. exactly. Like, <laughs> that's what everybody needs. <laughs> One rape, two rapes, take a nap, and then now having you, we've now almost got all of our guests covered. We have one more guest we're going to have on after you, and that is the the former nine-year-old girl. What does a nine-year-old girl think? She's next, and then uh, we'll have everybody in this episode. Oh, once, once, once Audrey comes yep. back. Yep. We're going to have her in where I have to make her watch something stupid. And Take care. Thank you. See you later. Bye, Andrew. Toodaloo. See ya. See bye ya bye. at nerd school. <laughs> Too legit to quit. And then March 29th mm-hmm. at 5 a.m. Eastern Time, the employees of all three television networks, ABC, CBS, and NBC, and the radio networks went on strike. Hmm. There's a lot of reruns that day. But they settled it just in time for CBS to host the Academy Awards telecast 13 days later. Well, that's good. And then on March 30th, there was another crash. A Delta Airlines DC-8 jet crashed into the Hilton all in the same month. It's crazy. crashed into the Hilton Inn and three neighboring houses in New Orleans after after taking off from the airport to begin a training flight. Flight 9877 was turning to make a practice landing when it stalled and then plummeted into the residential neighborhood at 1250 in the morning, killing 13 people on the ground and all six of the crew on the plane. Whoa. Nine of the victims were girls from Union High School in Judah, Wisconsin, who were on a senior class trip during spring break. Isn't that terrible? Yes. The Federal Aviation Administration would later conclude that the crash had been caused by the crew's decision to lower the flaps to full landing position while the plane was still a mile from the airport, slowing the airspeed, halting rudder, and Alirion control, whatever that is, and allowing the plane to roll. Man. Yep. And the Beatles, at that same time, while that was happening, the Beatles posed with a photographic collage and wax figures from Madame Tussauds Famous Museum for the cover artwork of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the last day of March, which you wanted to finish up. March 31st, 1967, kicking off a tour with the Walker Brothers, Cat Stevens and Engelbert Humperdinck, Engelbert Humperdinck mm-hmm. at the Astoria, London. Jimi Hendrix set fire to the guitar. Jimi Hendrix set fire to his guitar on stage for the first time. Oh. He was taken to, ho- to the hospital, suffering burns on his hands. The guitar burning act would later become a trademark of Hendrix's performances. So he didn't give up after that. No. Yeah, you'd think he would give up. I, I know. would have given up. Oh, my God, if I'd burn my hands. No, he was like, oh, that fucking hurt. That was terrible, but I'm going to figure this shit out because I'm fucking Jimmy That Hendrix. says something about him. It does. He never gives up. Yep. The world needed a flaming guitar. Until he was 27. Oh, he died. Yeah, because everybody died. Samantha. Oh, you know what that sound means. It's time for uh, one more guest on American Timeline's 100th episode, Extravaganza. We had, this guest was on, I think, a couple episodes, but you remember her best when she, we made her watch this 90s cartoon PSA. Yes. And she was nine years old, and we called it, What Would a Nine-Year-Old Girl Think? And now this nine-year-old girl is now 11. That's right. So as her specialty is to watch something and then just talk about it, uh, we are going to make her watch the Batman episode from the 60s when he does the Batusi, which we've talked about a couple episodes ago. Because really you're really into dancing right now, aren't you, Audrey? Um, not really. Um, you're always trying to teach everybody the... I know. What's that dance? The, 
The renegade. Yeah, the renegade. You're constantly doing the renegade and dancing and just she'll be watching the show and then just get up out of nowhere and start dancing uh, moves and then she sings. She sings all the time randomly too. Sings randomly, but she's trying to force everybody to learn these dance moves. I know nobody wants to. We're all like, we're not. I'm not learning a dance move right now. I'm folding laundry or I'm in the bathroom. Stop making me do dance moves. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I don't. I don't make you do it when you're in the bathroom folding laundry. That's an exaggeration. Well, that's part of comedy. No, it's not. Okay, so I'm going to play this, and I'm going to hand you the microphone. It wasn't really a dance, because he was just, like, standing there, like, not really, like, moving his hands when he did, like, the... When their costumes did not fit, <laughs> Batman was a, a little bloated. Um, <laughs> yeah. Why don't you guys get paid if you have a podcast? Thanks for being here, Audrey Rose. Adios. This has been the hundredth episode, our blockbuster hundredth episode with all our fabulous Woo-hoo! guests. You can put your bush back. I yeah, everybody can put their bushes back. Me. Or everybody else. Well, you preferably. Yeah, I'll put my bush away. Please. It's hard. It takes a long time. Please. Fold it up and stuff. Anyway, thank you to Armand Crisp. Yes. And Brandon Wilhelm and the Green Lady and Andy, beautiful Andy, my brother, and his little comic book rant. Yes. That was great. About the 60s yelling at us. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh and thank you for listening to 100 episodes. Anybody, any, if any of you have listened to all 100 episodes after listening to this one, uh, send us a tweet at historyforjerks.com and uh, you know include all of your family's genital pics. <laughs> yeah. We just want to know. It. That's all. No, no. Send us a tweet. Let us know you listen to all 100. You'll be in the 100 club. You'll like, get a like mug. We'll mile. send you a mug. We'll send you a mug from our, just an old, dirty, used mug from our <laughs> From <kitchen>. our cabinet. <laughs> yeah, uh, from our cabinet. Yeah, we'll send all, we'll hear of all our mugs. We'll get some new mugs. Yeah, here we go. Mugs. We send them their old, that'd be, that's a good idea. Yeah. Or we'll send you a, I think I have an American Comics hat. But we'll send you something. So tweet us that you've listened to all 100 episodes. Yep. All right. It's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. Thank you for listening, everybody. Keep on, keep it on. When you were all alone No watchtower A kiss in the sky Well I was barely a glimmer In my young daddy's eyes Said that we're so tired Of hearing about The 60s One more time I said we're so tired Of hearing about The 60s Well make me shut my mouth American Timelines Is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network Powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Samantha, that's a hickey.